0: Hey, this is Pastor Ty, and we want to thank you for joining us at Cowboy Junction today. Uh, When you hear this message, we want you to know that we've been praying, and praying that your faith will grow and be encouraged and challenged. And we really want you to know that we we love that you're here. But what would help us is if you would subscribe, rate this, review this, and and share it online. You can also help us by partnering with us. And a lot of people call Cowboy Junction home that attend on our online campus. But when you join us financially, you're really being a part of the team. You can easily give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift at CowboyJunctionChurch.com backslash give. And uh, that'll help us so much. Uh, Thanks again for being here and hope you enjoy this message. guys love this series so far i'm glad you have i have i like it a lot i'm my name is chris haggard i'm over like the creative side of things so like the design and everything so if you don't like it my email is uh sadie at cowboyjunctionchurch.com send me an email um you're welcome sadie my name's Chris, and I am so excited. This is an honor and a privilege to to get to speak on this topic. Um, the whole idea, some of you might be wondering, like, is this sacrilegious to have video games in a church? Um, is this okay? Like, how are you going to preach using video games and... Uh, and I want to just go back to the subtitle of this, pixels and parables, and and say that Jesus, whenever he would speak, he would talk to to people who may have been unchurched or, or people who were, you know, heavily in the church, like pastors and leaders, and and he would use parables, which is basically a story with a t- like a theme or a topic, and it would have a spiritual meaning, like a deeper meaning. And so what we've decided to do is take. Different video games and find the spiritual truth, not saying that they were created with a spiritual truth, but how can we use that video game to teach something about the heart of God, of what Jesus had to say. And so that's what this is about. Jesus used to teach things about farming, fishing, lost coins, lost sheep, shepherding. Um, He would teach about Samaritans, hidden treasures, wines and wineskins, but ultimately the method always changed, but the message stayed the same. And it was hope and love. And that's what Jesus wants to bring. And so we truly believe that God can use video games to teach us something about him. Uh, We have somebody that has been uh, giving us a hard time on the internet about video games being in church and I just, I hope they're listening right now. They like, they listen so that they can tell us what's wrong about it. And I'm like, at least they're hearing the message of Jesus. Like, um, but we love the opportunity to get to use something fun because church should be fun, right? It should be fun. We should have fun and learn and grow in this relationship with God. And so if you're watching, I love you. Um, I'm glad that you're watching. Um, Hopefully that God can speak to you through this message. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our scripture that we're going to teach out of. It's Joshua chapter 1. And um, just to give you a backstory on this, Moses uh, was the the leader of the Israelites long, 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 long time ago. And uh, this was the whole Exodus. The book of Exodus is about Moses leading the Israelites, who were God's people, leading them out of Egypt into freedom, out of slavery, um, and then that's when he would cross the Red Sea. That's when like manna fell from heaven. Like all of these incredible things happen. Um, but this is the story that happens kind of at the end of Moses's life. At the end of his life, he starts to realize that he has to pass on the torch to somebody else to lead the people. And, uh, and God actually says, I want you to choose Joshua. Now, Joshua was one of 12 spies at the very beginning of the journey. So they leave Egypt. Everybody's like nervous about what's going to happen. Everybody's nervous, like, okay, wh- what's God going to do? And um, he delivers them through the Red Sea. He takes care of all the Egyptians for them. Like he's delivering these people. And then um, they get to the promised land, which is where God promised that they would go. He says, Let's get to the promised land. I want you to send 12 spies to go spy out the land for 40 days. Now, Joshua was one of those spies. At the end of the 40 days, it says that th- they were supposed to go and they were supposed to check on like if the food was good, they were supposed to check on if the uh like that's like the number one thing on the list is like, hey, is their food good? <laughs> but they go check out the food, they go check out like how big are the people, do they have fortified cities, are they ready to fight? Like all of these things. They come back, all the 12, at the end of the 40 days, and what happens is 10 of the 12 are scaredy cats, and they're like, we definitely can't do it. They're too big. We don't want to fight them. We're going to have to find another promised land. And Moses is like, well, isn't that a pickle? Because God said that's the promised land. And what happens is Joshua in that moment, Joshua and Caleb, they go, no, 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 no. God said that's our land. We can do it. And it said that everybody was so mad at them for having so much faith, essentially, that it said everybody just wanted to stone them and kill them. Like, yeah, let's kill them. Too much faith. If that's the problem that we have, I I wish that was a problem that I had. You know what I'm saying? Like too much faith. But all of this basis of Joshua starts building up to who he is in this story. So that's where he started. God placed him through Moses over his people, which is one of the 12 tribes. And then from there, he, uh, he then is appointed the leader of this nation. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. That's like the Lion King moment. He's like, every place the light touches. (laughs) So he tells them, that's yours. Um, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to, the law, according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And the last says this, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much that you can speak truth to us exactly where we're at through simple things, even as a video game. God, as we, uh, as we dive into this, Lord, would you open up our hearts, open up our minds to receive from you what it is that you want to teach. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, do, the, the game that we're going to discuss today, and we're going to show kind of and talk about it, is the game Missile Command. Does anybody know? Has anybody played Missile Command? Awesome. Eight people and me. Cool. <laughs> that just means less people to beat my high score in the lobby. <laughs> but this this game, Missile Command, I'm going to read you kind of the, premises, the premise of it. It was created in 1980 by Atari Incorporated, designed by Dave Toyer. And the idea started from a magazine article written during the Cold War. So this whole game was basically started from the vice president read an article and went, huh, that'd be a cool game. And so then he's like the boss, so he gets to make ideas, and then everybody else has to make it happen. So he comes to everybody else, and he's like, hey, this would be a cool idea for a game. In fact, he was quoted to say this. Make a game look like this. That's a quote that he said to the designer. So Dave Toyer, who's in charge of this, he, uh, he's in charge of creating a game that ultimately the article said there are going to be satellites that are in the sky, in the world, solar system, sphere, smart terms, stuff. Um, there's going to be satellites, and what they do is they have a radar that is going to see if missiles come into the airspace. And then once they see the missiles, it'll let the home base in America know, and then we'll fire a missile to kill that missile in the air so there's no casualties, and it'll like all disintegrate up in space, and it won't hurt anybody. So the vice president's like, hey, do this. Um, and so then they have another meeting, and the guy breaks it down. He said, here's the idea. You've got these missile trails coming in from the top. You've got these bases at the bottom. The trails are missiles coming in, and you shoot missiles from your bases to intercept them. And you try to save your bases. So I want to show you a video real quick of how the game's played, and I'll kind of talk you through it. So go ahead and play this video. This is I just want to point out the uh, Atari Junction sticker that's on there. That's a little Easter egg from the design team. So the game, Missile Command, starts out like this. You've got your bases across the bottom, those three bases inside those bases are six cities that you are to protect so you can fire missiles from your bases to attack the missiles coming in and if you can see some of the missiles actually will spread and, and like basically spread out cause more damage now if you heard the beeping what happens is all of those missiles those bases of missiles and this is like, they can run out of these missiles. This is a level that I've never seen before because I'm not that good. Um, But you see there's like new enemies, there's like new things. These are like UFOs that like can go around your blast. Um, And then ultimately what happens is whenever your last city dies, the game's over. So, like, once you've been, like, attacked, the last thing is over. It was said that, that uh, Dave Toyer, as he was creating it, he said, I want people to know, this is in the middle of the Cold War, I want people to know that nuclear warfare is never going to allow anyone to win. We all lose. So he said that's at the very end when it was, like, the, the end screen. He was like, I want everybody to know, like, that's the end. Like, there's no, no winner-loser. It's just, like, the end. Um, and so there's no, like he said, it was intentional not to say game over. It just says the end. So as he created this, um, he had a lot of different ideas. And we're going to dive into kind of the, the reasoning behind some of this. Um, but I want you, if you're taking notes, to write down the title of the message. The title of the message is called Our Second Amendment. I'm just kidding. It's not called that. Some of you are like, are we going there? Like right now, we're not going there. But we're going to talk about the missile command of the mind. What's the missile command of the mind? What are are the things that are going on in our mind? How is life? Like, how, Chris, are you going to teach me that missile command is happening in my mind? And uh, to that, I would say, just you wait and see. We'll talk about it. So I'm going to make a bold statement and start out and say that we're all playing missile command. Missile command in our mind. We're all playing it in some way, shape, or form in our mind right now. You may just be at the first level, like getting started, and you're trying to figure out what this life is like of following Jesus. Maybe you're like at the very, very beginning of the game deciding, do I even want to follow Jesus and press start? Then there's some people who you've progressed through multiple levels, and you're facing new enemies and new bosses, and now you're you're finding all of these new things of your relationship with God of, new troubles and trials and new persecutions and all of those things. And uh, the funny thing about Missile Command is if you play play Pac-Man, after you hit 21 levels of Pac-Man, it says there's a kill screen, which basically means, like, there's no more game. They didn't design the game to be played that far. And so it just ends, and it's like, whoa, this is crazy. With Missile Command, there is no end to the game. It just gets more and more intense. Until eventually you can't handle it. And now some of you are probably like, yeah, right, Chris, someone can beat it. Um, actually, the high score right now is 103 million points, and they got to the level 10,400 and something. So that's like, that was like level six that I can't get to, and they're on level 10,000. But that's our walk with Jesus, too. Like, in our relationship with God, there's these levels that, we see sometimes and this is there's sometimes that you see other people playing the game of life way better than you can and you see these levels and you're like how do you even get there and it's one level at a time it's one level at a time so if you're wondering how do i get to this point in my relationship with god how do i not deal with that issue anymore i'm just going to say it's one level at a time now in 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 regards to the levels i think that sometimes when you level up, when you go to the next level, you're still facing missiles, right? Like you're still on the same thing. What happens in the game is as you go to the next level, it's still the exact same premise. And then in fact, you're even fighting some of the same enemies. Some of the enemies of addiction, of anxiety, of depression, of your your thought process. Some of those things that you're fighting, the missiles that keep coming, you're like, man, I can't get past these things. And so what it feels like is you're making like, two steps forward to the next level. But then you find yourself back in the same spot dealing with the same missiles, right? Like you still are being attacked in the same way. And you're like, God, when is this going to end? When is my mind going to be purified from the thoughts that I keep thinking? When am I going to get past that addiction? And I just keep going back to here. And what you're thinking is you get past a level and then you just get bumped back to the level again. But I'm here to tell you that you're not going back to the same level. You're actually on the next level, and the missiles come in a different way. They come in a different way. They may be the same missile, but you're fighting it in a new way. Instead of looking at it as two steps forward and then coming back to where you're at, I want you to look at it instead of two dimensional, I want you to look at it as three dimensional. And so if you were to imagine a circular staircase right here, everything in the line right here is what you face these are the areas and and i'm not going to necessarily name the area that you face but maybe it is an addiction maybe it is a thought process maybe it is anxiety or depression and you just keep thinking that everything that hits right here is where you keep facing and instead of looking at it as two steps forward and then back and now i'm fighting the same thing and you just keep playing the same level over and over i want you to look at it as a staircase and instead you're going up the staircase you're making progress But then you come back and you're fighting the same issue again. And you're like, man, God, I thought we were making some progress. And he goes, you are. You're on another level. You're facing the same issue, but you're on another level now. And so instead of looking at it as defeat, you need to look at it as God is doing a new work. And I'm one step higher than what I was. And God is continuing to work in my life. And now I have enough energy to go back again. and I'm ready to fight it this time. And in fact, there's sometimes that you may use the elevator and bypass this issue because there's God's doing something in your life. And now you find out that this issue is not as big of a deal as it used to be. But in your life, in your walk with Jesus, you find out that there may be other enemies. There may be other missiles that attack you. There may be other forms of temptation, other forms of your thought process, other forms of of lying, cheating, stealing. I, I don't know what it is. But we all find that we face these new enemies on a daily basis. The entire concept of missile command is that you're constantly under attack. And that's the same thing with your mind. You're always under attack. In fact, um, Jesus said this when he was talking to his disciples right before he went to the cross. In John chapter 16, it says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to highlight that, that second. It says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have things that you face. You're going to have missiles attacking you. You're always going to feel like you're having to defend yourself and pr- defend your heart and defend your family and defend your spouse. And so you're always feeling like this defensive, like, angst about you. But Jesus says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The word tribulation there, I actually looked it up in the, original, um, in the original Greek. Jesus, as he was talking, he said, in this world you will have tribulation. And this is a whole nother message, but the word tribulation actually means pressure. You actually are going to have pressure in your life. Now, is pressure bad? No. In fact, pressure can cause change, can catalyst change in your life. It can cause something to happen. Uh, Oil doesn't come from an olive without pressure. It has to be crushed. And so if God is going to bring newness in your life, there has to be some pressure. And so he's saying, in your life, you're going to have pressure. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Now, if, if we were to dive into my thought process of the missile command in my mind, what happens is I think through the facts In this world, I will have troubles. I will have tribulation. I will have pressure. There's going to be things that feel weight and heavy on me. So what am I going to do to battle it? But oftentimes, I don't get to the what am I going to do about it. I begin to fear the tribulation. And maybe it's just me. I don't know if this is true for you. But I begin to fear the the missiles that are coming. I don't even see them yet. Like they're not even on the screen. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. I know that I'm gonna be attacked. What is it gonna be this time? Is it gonna come in this way? Is it gonna be something new? Is it gonna be the same thing? Am I gonna be ready for it? And now you have this anxiety and fear, not even the missile, but the fear of the missile, the fear of the attack in your life. And, and fear begins to attack and take root in your heart and in your mind. Now, as I was first diving into missile command, and figuring out what it is that God wanted to speak through this game. The first thing that I thought was, there's three bases, right? And all three bases are fighting to protect all of the cities. And I thought, you know what? That's oftentimes what the church is. Like, we're the bases that, like, look out for each other. And so, Jeremy, I'm going to be one of your bases. And if I see a missile coming, I'm going to help protect you. And I'm going to help guard you against this area. And if you see something for me, help me, because I may be so focused over here, that you're, you you got to protect me. And I thought, that's a, that's a good message, right? Like, we all got to watch each other's backs. But I think God wants to teach us a little bit more than that. Because even in that, I think that there's fear that creeps in in my life. In my, in my marriage, my, my wife and I, we're both two bases, and we're fighting to protect the cities, which are our children and our family. And so we begin to fight, and we're hitting all the missiles, and we're doing everything that we can to protect our family, and then all of a sudden we get this alert and it's deet, 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 and it's letting us know that we have low missiles. And so now there's that panic, right? Like there's the fear of like, well, what if I don't have enough missiles? My kids are gonna suffer, and I can't I can't do that. I can't let that happen. And so I begin to work myself up and I begin to get fearful of what if I don't have what it takes to, to raise them or what if because of this situation in our life, now, now they're going to suffer because I didn't have what it took to be the dad or the spiritual covering. And I, they're not old enough to watch out for it, so I have to watch out for them. And that is pressure that we don't need to feel. You don't need to feel the pressure of protecting somebody else. Now, I do think there is responsibilities that we have as parents and as followers of Jesus that we have to help each other. But it's not in your own ammunition that you're going to be able to help them. It's through the power that God gives you. Have you ever talked with somebody that, like, cracks under pressure? Like, you don't have to point at the person next to you. (laughs) Okay, awkward. We're going to talk about forgiveness. (laughs) Like, you know, the, you know, the kind of people that if you were to go into the lobby after this service and you were to see somebody playing the game and they have that like intense look like this and they're playing the game. And like sometimes I've got like a weird sense of humor. I like to go and just see like where the edge is for that person. So like you walk up to him and you're like, hey, man, how's it going? And They're like, good. Like, That's so cool. Hey, I like your outfit today. I like your shoes, which naturally the person's like thanks. And they're like like nervous and so but then I like to take it a little step further, right? Like I like to take it a step further and be like, "Hey, what are you guys doing for lunch today?" And this person's so like intense, but they can't be mean to me because I work here. You know, like so <laughs> they're like, "Well, I'm not quite sure yet." I'm like, "Oh, cool. What are you going to order?" Like, I don't I don't know. And they get like intense and so then I'm I'm that person. So, like, as I'm joking around about that person, this is me that that people do this to. In fact, I was playing before service, and somebody was like, you getting ready for the message? And I was like, yep. Like, (laughs) (laughs) in fact, the other thing that happens is my daughter comes up, and I'm playing, and she's five, and she goes, Daddy, are you playing a game? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm not even, like, looking at her. Like, hopefully it was my daughter. It might have been somebody else. (laughs) But I'm playing the game, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm "I'm playing the game. She's like, oh, okay. Daddy, there's a missile coming. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, trying to, like, play, and I'm, like, all serious. And the funny thing is she's trying to help me, right? Like, she's trying to, like, help and be like, hey, daddy, there's a missile coming right here. There's a missile. Oh, you died. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. Go find your mom. (laughs) But there's this, like, there's this pressure that you feel when somebody's watching you. There's this pressure that we all feel feel whenever we're going through this game of life, and I'm not saying life's a game, but as you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, you feel this weird pressure when you find out that somebody's watching you. As a parent, you might feel the pressure whenever you realize your kids are old enough to question the decisions you made as a kid. And so now you're like, oh, don't do it like daddy did, but this is what I learned. And so now there's this pressure that you feel which only compounds to the panic. The panic of, I don't have enough of what it takes. I'm not protecting well enough. There's other people that are relying on me, and now there's other people that are watching me. There's people at work that may be watching you that are saying, I wonder how they're going to handle this. I wonder what this is going to be like in their life. And so now you are, your blood pressure is really rising, and it's getting way up there because you're nervous because you're going, I don't want to let God down. And you're getting nervous about that. And I'm here to tell you that that is not your weight to bear. That's not, your, that's not your responsibility. It says that God doesn't need a defender. He doesn't need you to be on his behalf. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take care of those issues. And it's not your responsibility to panic or feel the pressure of doing everything in your own power. That's how Joshua felt. If we go back to that scripture in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6-9... through nine, there's a theme that begins to, to reoccur in this. It starts out with it, and it says, be strong and courageous. There's three times in these three verses that that phrase is mentioned. Be strong and courageous. Then in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And then in verse 9, it says again to be strong and courageous. And I think for us, we need to look at the context in which Joshua was to understand the pressure that he felt. Because we can probably relate to it. In fact, we might find out that the pressure that we're facing is not that big of a deal compared to what Joshua was facing. Now, when Joshua was told this, this was even before he had to lead the people. Like God was just telling him, like, you've already been appointed. Now's the time. Moses just died. Now's the time for you to step in. And so I think Joshua was like, okay, all right, like, we can do this. You know, like we all start out that way, like, all right, this is it. We got it. We're doing it. Okay. And you're like pumping yourself up. And I think Joshua was in that moment, but then his brain started to go. And he starts to play missile command in his mind because he starts to think of the attacks that are going to come. Did you know that whenever Joshua took over, he took over 2.4 million people that he had to lead? That was the amount of the Egyptians that left Egypt, and there was even more that... That he had to lead. And so he was not just responsible for six cities, but 2.4 million people, which is, just to give you a comparison, that's more people than in Dallas and and Fort Worth. And so now he's responsible to lead these people. He's also responsible to be the voice of God to these people. Talk about pressure. Now he feels like, okay, I, I really have to hear God right because there's a lot of people that are relying on me. Not only that, but now I have to worry about. We have to get them into the promised land, and I have to lead them the right way. And, and what if we have to declare war on this city because it's part of the promised land, but what if it's not the land that we were supposed to? Like, what if it was just we were supposed to go around it and not take it? And now, and so he begins to play the what-if game. Do you ever play the what-if game? My daughter plays it, and it sounds like this. Hey, Daddy, what if Spider-Man was real? Like, these are the what-if games that I have with my five-year-old daughter. And I'm like he's not (laughs) and she's like yeah but what if he was and I'm like okay like let's play this game I'm like well then that'd be crazy because there'd be a guy that got bit by a spider that now he can shoot spider webs and like fly in New York City and shoot spider webs and climb on buildings and stuff and she's like yeah but what if he lived here and I'm like well that'd be cool Because we'd know him, and uh, he'd fight bad guys. And she's like, yeah, what if he lived here, and what if he made us Spider-Men? I'm like, I don't know. What if he lived here, and he made us Spider-Men, and then he died? And I'm like, yeah. Like, what is happening? And so I'm like... Like, starting to panic because she's playing this what-if game with me, and I'm like, "Um, well, then he'd die. And she's like, what if you had to be Spider-Man? And then it's like these levels. And I think we play the same game in not-so-funny ways. Like, we are Joshua in this scenario, and we go, but God, what if I make the wrong decision on this job? Okay, but what if I take the job, and then I find out that I... I'm not at home with my family now and okay, but what if I take the job and now I find out that it's not enough and we actually need more and what if I have to get a second job? What if I get a second job and then I find out that my wife's pregnant and now that we have to figure out how we're going to feed another mouth and I have to rearrange my schedule and, and what if, and now you're playing this game because Joshua hadn't even led the people yet and God was telling him, be strong and courageous. I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be very strong and courageous. And so you look at it and go, okay, under pressure, I need to figure out how am I supposed to live this life? How, how am I supposed to follow Jesus the best way that I know how when I feel the pressures that are weighing on me? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes, I think that that fear and panic can dis- start to decide things in our life. It can start to dictate the decisions that we make. Like oftentimes I find myself operating in fear. And in my family, we call it, we let fear lead. Like, are you letting fear lead you in that moment, in that decision? And what you're saying, are you operating in fear? Are you operating in love? And so you look at it and you're like, okay, I can't let fear lead me. I need to remember that God has given me not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, I need to remember that fear isn't my leader anymore. And these are the phrases that we tell our kids all the time. Fear isn't your leader. Love, God is your leader. And so we're like, okay, we need to remember that thing. But then the fear and panic comes again, and it's level two. You're like, okay, these are different. These are new missiles. They're coming faster. There's new enemies, and I've never seen these before, but okay, we can do it. And then you start running low on ammunition because you're doing it all in your own power. And you're like, well, okay, but at least we got through that level. Now we're on to level three and my kid's a teenager. Dear God, <laughs> you know, like you begin to find these moments that you, you hit these new levels and new stressors and new pressure and, and new fear and anxiety. All of that begins to Mount up, and you're carrying all this weight. And I just want to tell you, first of all, you're not supposed to carry that weight. Jesus said that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He says, join your life with mine. That's where you'll find rest. He says, are you weary? Are you tired? Are you burned out on religion? Come walk with me. It says in in the message translation, walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. It didn't say, and I'll watch you do it. Jesus is saying, watch how I do it. Come away with me. Let me show you how to take a real rest. So I want to go back to how the game even began because I think it it really paints a picture for us to to relate to. And not in the sense of a video game, but the real person, Dave Toyer, behind it. He was interviewed several times. And um, in the interview, he would talk about how the game started and how it was created. And then he actually began to teach like what the process was like and talk about the process. And uh, he would spend multiple days on end without any sleep, just programming, just programming and designing. And, And some of us are like that. You can get focused on a topic and you get focused on something and you're like, okay, this is what we're doing. And so he would get focused on something and then it said he would go home just enough to get some rest, take a deep breath and then go back to it. But he began to dwell on the game. So much that he's interviewed, and in the interviews he says he was having nightmares on a regular basis. And the nightmares, like in real life for him, were that he was under nuclear attack. The missiles in his mind of his game had become missiles in his mind in real life. And I think for us, so many times, our false reality of the what-ifs in our mind have now begun to shape and bleed over into you're a real reality. And you feel the pressure and you're going, okay, like how am I supposed to do this? It said that he was said that even two years after the game was finished, he was still having these nightmares. He was still facing the fear of this game, this not even real scenario. And you need to know the same thing. There are scenarios in your life that you've created that aren't even real and you're stressed out about it. You're anxious and you're worked up and Jesus wants you to know that he didn't die so that you could just deal with that. He died so that you could be free from that. If we look back at the Israelites as they left Egypt, there were two different types of people that left Egypt. It was the people that were At one point, God said everybody younger than 20 is going into the promised land. Everybody older than 20 is not going to see the promised land. And some of us are like, well, that's not fair. But I think the reason is because the people that were younger than 20 weren't relying on the old ways of Egypt to operate. The thing that they would operate on was the promises of God that they'd heard in the desert. They knew this was the promised land. They knew this is where God had led them. And so they thought, you know what? That's, this is what we need to believe. That's why Joshua became the leader. That's why he and Caleb come back from the promised land and they go, if God said it, we're doing it. And everybody's older than them are like, no, no. We don't have that. We can't do that. Like you don't, you don't know God like we know God. We've been doing life a little longer than you. And sometimes your wisdom can sound a lot more like fear and doubt than it can be the faith that God wants you to have. So as he led the people into the promised land, they were relying not just on the freedom that God had given them, but the fullness that God had promised them. God's given you fullness that there's a, this life and life more abundant. It says in your life, you have the option to choose life or choose death. Choose life. That's what we're called to do. So in this time in this scenario that we look at this a silly game like missile command and we relate it to our life i want you to know that god doesn't want you to fight these battles the first thing that he told the israelites after they left egypt through moses he said because they were like freaking out right like there is an entire egyptian army chasing him and they are freaking out they're not going to make it they're standing with their backs up against the red sea They don't know what to do. The Egyptian army's coming. And God tells Moses to tell his people this, and I think it's for somebody in this room right now, that God is gonna fight your battles. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. You don't have to worry about the ammunition that you do or don't have. You don't have to worry about the people that you think you have to protect. You don't have to worry about all of those issues because God God wants you to know that he already fought those battles. You're not operating for victory you're not fighting for it you're fighting from it because Jesus has done it already so instead of looking at the battlefield in your mind the missile command of your mind and saying I just need to fight this battle no just change your mindset and realize that God he already fought the battle for you by sending his son so now you begin to look at it as like well if God is for me who could be against me These are the things that you begin to think on. The reason that the creator of Missile Command allowed the fear into his life is because it was what he continued to dwell on. He was living it day in and day out. And if you continue to let fear day in and day out dictate the what-ifs in your mind, you're not going to allow the freedom that God gives into that area but like what he told Joshua, if you will dwell on the word of God, if you will dwell on the spoken word, which is scripture, if you will dwell around people that speak life into your life, you're going to find that freedom's a lot closer than you realize. It's a lot closer than you realize. Jesus wants you to know that he did it already for you. This is super real for us and my family and just in a moment of just being vulnerable. My uh, my family started a little over a little over a year ago, probably a year and a half, maybe. We started the journey of becoming foster parents. And we got licensed and, and we thought we always wanted to adopt, but we were always closed off to the idea of fostering. Because what if what if they got taken out of our home? Like what if, what if now I, I don't have what it takes? And what if the family comes in or what if they get moved to another family and the what ifs were causing us to, that wasn't even an option. And I felt like God told us, he, he said, Chris, Abby, I want you to know that, because the, here's the thing. We, we said we love too hard to foster care. Like I love too hard. I love a kid too much to be a foster parent because what if they got taken? And God told me, he goes, isn't that how I love? Isn't that how I love? Instead of looking at the the kids in your life and holding on to them, the kids that get placed in your family and holding on tight, what if you loved them with an open hand? Because don't you think I care more about them than you do? So now in this journey of foster care, We started out a year and a half ago that we just had our one biological daughter and she's five now. And this weekend, we brought five kids to church with us. Please pray for us. (laughs) But there is this this freshness, this newness, because this message is what we're living out now. We felt panicked this last week as we got a call for two more kids. We had three and now we have a total of five and we were panicked like I w- like <laughs> I told Jeff my my wife posted a picture like letting people know that we're a little bit insane for taking more kids like she posted a picture and I said that's crazy in this picture you can't even see the fear in her eyes <laughs> I can like I can see it but that also might be my reflection of my phone because we felt this fear of the what ifs in our mind. And, and we thought, well, what if we take these two and, and what if they get taken from us? And and eventually we had to just let go and I go, God, you're in control. I'm not caught. I'm not called to fight that battle in the first place. I'm not, it's not my ammunition. That's going to get the job done. It's not everything that I can do. It's in my weakness that his strength is made perfect. It's it's in the moment of crazy that his peace passes all understanding. That's what Jesus said. And I want to close with this. And, and John, he says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. A lot of time I had looked at that and I thought, the but take heart, I have overcome the world was the like most important part because it was like the hoorah finish at the very end. But I think I like this part more. You're going to have tribulations, but in me, you may have peace. Even though the missiles are flying, even though the thoughts are raging in your mind, and even though all of that is taking place, in him you can find peace. Not in anything that you can do. Not in anything I can do. I continue to dwell on scripture and and meditate on it day and night that I don't depart from it left or right. But still, I need to remember that God is with me. That's what you gotta remember too. We've gotta let fear leave. And the only way that fear leaves and it's cast out is through perfect love. That's 1 John chapter four. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And I believe there's people in the room today that, you need fear to be cast out of your life. And the only way that's going to happen is to invite Jesus into that space, into that thought process, into that mentality, into that way of thinking. You need to invite him into it. My dad used to do counseling, and he's been a pastor as long as I've been alive. He used to do counseling, and he said, oftentimes in counseling, we try to like fix the old things that happened, right? Like the things that happened in our past. And he said, I don't think we're called to fix it or to like continue thinking about it. I think what we need to do is go back to that moment and invite Jesus in that moment. So now if you look at the abuse that happened in your life when you were four and you go, that shaped me. What happens when you insert Jesus into that story? What happens when you invite Jesus into that divorce? And you say, Jesus, come speak truth. I feel fear. I fear fear, anxiety. There's all of these pressures that I'm feeling. But now, if I insert Jesus into it, I go, but what do you say, God? What do you say about me? Who do you say that I am? Because that's all that matters. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you. Because I think there's some people that are are needing this freedom. They're needing freedom from a mindset, a thought process, whether it's anxiety, depression, fear, addictions, you need freedom. And I'm here to tell you that freedom is a gift. There's nothing you have to do to earn it except inviting Jesus into that situation. And I want to pray for you. And so if that's you, if you'll With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'll just raise your hand, I want to pray for those of you that are needing freedom from fear or something in your life, and you need to invite Jesus into that. Yeah. A lot of hands. Awesome. Awesome. Jesus, I thank you for the people in this room with their hand raised, and they're standing up in faith and... and spiritually believing for you to do something incredible in their life. And right now, whatever the situation is, whatever the thought process is in their mind, Lord, I just invite you into that situation. In fact, if you'll say, Jesus, you're welcome here. Jesus, you're welcome here. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak truth, to bring love, to bring hope and joy and peace passes all understanding we pray for healing, we pray for forgiveness, we pray for, for you to do what only you can do in that situation. Would you just speak your truth to them right now? Thank you, Jesus. And again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for, for some people who you may not even know the Jesus that we're talking about, or maybe you've heard of him, but you don't. you've never committed your life to him. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to decide to follow him today. There are a lot of people in this room who are cheering you on, that are cheering on the decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you and you've never made that decision and you want to make it for the first time today, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. And There's nothing crazy that we're doing. I just want to know who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for. So if that's you, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, God loves you so much. Two, promise you'll never be the same three would you go ahead and raise your hand right now awesome once you raise your hand if you'll just look up at me so we can make eye contact know who I'm praying with awesome if you repeat this prayer after me and everybody join in Jesus we need you thank you for the freedom that you bring I want to live in the fullness that you have. I acknowledge you as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We had somebody make a decision this morning to follow Jesus. Would you guys give him a huge round of applause? That's incredible. So after service, if you raised your hand or maybe you, you didn't raise your hand and you still wanna have a discussion or you've got some questions, we want you to know that questions are okay to have. It's good to have questions. It's good to, to, to pursue the things of God and figure out like the answers that God can bring. And so if that's you and you wanna talk to us, um, we've got prayer partners that are gonna be up here on the sides of the stage. And then also, if you made that decision, or if you want to make that decision, or you've got questions. We have a next steps table over here in the corner, and it's after everybody leaves and goes to play video games in the lobby, we want to have a conversation with you and equip you uh, with what it is that this journey is all about, what Jesus is all about, what how much He we just really want to tell you how much He loves you, and uh, and let you know that we're here for you. So if that's you, would you meet us over there? Well, Cowboy Junction, this has been an awesome morning. I'm excited for you. I'm believing freedom in your life. Pastor Ty and Heather are going to be back here next week. It's going to be incredible as we continue this series. And so we want you to invite your friends, bring people back, because this is fun. And what church has video games in the lobby? I mean, come on. But we want you to know that we love you. Jesus loves you. It's time for us to go love God, love people, and have no limits. See you later.